This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Olivia McCarthy is a wife, mom, and the host of the podcast, Heart, Home, Faith. From a young age, Olivia was exposed to comparison culture, and this changed the way that she saw herself. But through a powerful dream many years later, Olivia encountered the truth of who Jesus is, and in turn, what her identity is in Him. Now, she encourages other women through the work she does at her parish and on her podcast, and inspires them to be the best stewards of their homes and faith that they can be. In this episode, Olivia and I dive into her experience with comparison culture, the beautiful dream that changed her faith journey, and the story behind her podcast, Heart, Home, Faith. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. My pleasure. Yes, at the time of recording this, we were in contact last week just because we were doing a bit of a podcast swap. And yeah, it was just so much fun to chat with you. So I'm glad to return the favor. So thank you for being here. Oh, I'm honored. Awesome. I would love to hear first and foremost, Olivia, I'd love or at least have you introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are and what you do right now. My name is Olivia McCarthy. I'm 30. And I've been married to my husband for eight and a half years, and I have three daughters with a fourth baby on the way. So I am a wife and a mom and busy, (laughs) as anyone else who's a mom knows, but it's the best possible kind of busyness. That being said, I still have more in me. And what I mean by that is that I still have a calling to do work for the Lord. And getting to the place where I'm able to do work for Him has been the most fulfilling adventure of my life. So in addition to being a wife and being a mother and family life and just enjoying that and managing the chaos, because that's mostly what it is. I also work for my parish in the religious education department, which is awesome. And the whole way that happened, it was just such a beautiful gift from God. So I have a day job in addition to all the other things. And then as a fruit of this whole COVID-19 lockdown, I was furloughed for maybe eight to 12 weeks. I can't even remember how long I was furloughed. And so I found myself feeling like I am not using my gifts. Like my Mm -hmm. gifts that fulfill me are doing things for the Lord. And so I'd had this crazy idea. I would start a podcast years ago, thought about it and prayed about it and always got hung up by fear and thinking like, I don't know technology. I'm never going to be able to figure this out. Finally, I was so devastated without having that outlet for using my gifts for the Lord while I was furloughed. Of course, using my gifts for the Lord also happens in family life and motherhood, but there's a very specific call on my heart to do evangelization type work. And so typically at my parish job, I'm working with families and with younger kids, but I love to reach out to women in a similar stage and phase of life as me. So I took the plunge and I started my podcast. And so I also am a podcaster. So I do a lot of things, but the Lord has blessed me through all of it. So that's kind of a long intro, but that's who I am and what I do. Not to worry. And yeah, it is so beautiful just because I think one of the things that's striking and as you've alluded to, we're still, as we're recording this in COVID-19 and 
I think for a lot of us, it's been such a difficult year. And, you know, for those of us who might listen to this, maybe, you know, even years down the road and look back, like that was a huge mark on our time, our history. And it impacted us, of course, in so many different ways. But what I find beautiful about what you just shared is the fact that it also provided you the space to take the plunge and try out something that you've had on your heart for quite some time. And then also to use your gifts for evangelization for the kingdom. And that's really incredible. So praise God. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. And it's funny because I think it was one Google search when I realized that the limit of my technology abilities was not going to be a problem. So go. it's kind of funny that, you know, it was like, wow, I had to get over my own fear and literally do one Google search to figure mm. out how to make it work. So I know God is not Google and Google is not God, but man, they work together sometimes. <laughs> they really do. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you alluded to this, of course, you're very passionate about like evangelization, being able to reach out to other women and you work with families. And I'd love to hear a bit of your faith journey and how you've gotten to where you are today. Sure. Okay. I was raised Catholic and I love my parents very deeply. They sent us to Catholic schools and I went to kindergarten through 12th grade, so 13 years. But despite the fact that I went to Catholic schools and was raised in the faith, there were, and I have to be careful because I think Catholic schools are a wonderful, wonderful mission. And if you are fortunate enough to be able to send your kids to Catholic schools and support them, that's wonderful. But my particular experience at these Catholic schools was not necessarily the most healthy as mm. far as being in a comparison culture. And so whether that just be the specific mix of parents and families that I graduated with from high school or whether it be the culture of the area or however that worked out, it was really unfortunate because there was really a unhealthy comparison culture. Mm -hmm. And that really shattered my idea of self-worth because I'm not the smartest person. I wasn't the valedictorian. I wasn't the salutatorian. I wasn't anything. You know, I was just a middle average student, maybe a little above average. But when you're in this super competitive culture where people want their kids to go to Ivy League schools and to win states and to do all these things, when I wasn't doing those things, it definitely was, I developed this feeling like I'm not good enough. And so I do think that's an important part of my faith journey because I've shared my faith journey in depth on Rachel's podcast to grow good. Yes, not Rachel a different Smith. Rachel. That's right. Yes, Rachel a Smith, different Rachel. a good friend of the show. Uh, so I've shared the whole journey, but this is kind of the setup for just spiritually how I've evolved, which is always a weird word to use in a Catholic context over <laughs> the years. So I developed this, you know, and I can trace it back to my experience at Catholic school. I can trace it back to the climate around the school. And so, you know, it's not the school's fault. I think it's really just the group of people there. But that led me into really falling away from the faith in college. I developed the mindset that God just wants me to be happy. So if going to mass doesn't make me happy, why would I do that? So I stopped going. But I never thought to myself I wasn't a Catholic, which is really weird. Like this identity was really in me, even though I totally wasn't practicing throughout my college career. 
But then my husband and I got engaged and there's such a blessing in the fact that I was raised Catholic because we decided to get married in the Catholic church, which for somebody who wasn't really actively practicing, that was kind of just like a weird thing that it was just really strongly on my heart. Like we're getting married in the Catholic church. I'm not getting married anywhere else. Like no, and we're going to raise our kids Catholic too. So we prepared and we went to sacrament prep for marriage through the Catholic church. My husband was not Catholic at the time. And so after we were married in the Catholic church, he went through RCIA. So we'd been married for like six months and then he started RCIA. So that was really cool. So I was his sponsor, even though I probably shouldn't have been given my uh, close proximity, uh, close proximity, but. You know, it was beautiful because I learned so much. I learned so many things that despite my 13 years of Catholic education, I didn't know. And the more I studied this, the more this makes sense. We were blessed through natural family planning with a NFP baby. If you practice NFP, then you'll know all babies are NFP babies. But there are a couple babies in families that just surprise you. And so we were blessed very early on in our marriage. About six months into our marriage, we found out we were pregnant with our first daughter. It was scary because we were broke. We had no money. We were grad students. We had a big life plan. We had dreams. And it was really frightening to find out we were pregnant and to just not know how things were going to go. And it was really scary for me because I'm very type A and because I really wanted to prove myself. I wanted to have some sort of award or accolade or have some sort of career, something I could be like, I'm worth it. I have worth because I did this thing. Because again, I was really insecure and not thinking that I had any worth because I was just an average We ended up moving across the country when she was a month old. So I know we had actually, before we found out we were pregnant, we'd put into play. My husband had decided he wanted to start his career in Austin, Texas, but we were like, okay, it's Texas. It's easier to get a teaching job at that time than it was in Michigan. I'm in school for being a teacher. I'm finishing my student teaching. So we're like, okay, we're going to move to Texas. We'll live there for five years. We'll move back when we're ready to have kids and want to be around family and got totally flipped wow. that plan. And I actually have never had my own classroom, but it was once we moved to Texas, actually, that, you know, I knew nobody and I'm a new stay at home mom and I'm really struggling with my sense of self-worth. And I'm really thinking, what do I offer the world? And does anybody even see me? Does anybody know me? And so it was during this time that I, I started to develop a real love for the rosary. And I started to really become more immersed in learning about the faith because that was all I knew. And so there's a real blessing in raising your children in the faith and, you know, having that be a constant because when everything was stripped away, I still had my faith. It was the same in Texas as it was in Michigan. And it's the same where you are in Vancouver as it is for me in Michigan. I can go to mass and have the same readings proclaimed. And so it was really beautiful. And I was able to meet a woman who had a son who was just a few months older than my oldest daughter. And she was a native Texan and she saw me and we talked and we just had this great friendship. And it was so beautiful because I had been praying for a friend and then I met her in the middle of mass doing a baby diaper change. So it was was just really sweet. God blessed me. But it was the pivotal moment for me was that I wanted to find people like me. And so even though I wasn't totally invested in my faith, the church community at the parish we started joining was really vibrant. And they had this praise and worship night for women. 
So it was just like a little mini retreat. And I went to it with my two month old baby because it said that you could bring nursing babies. And I was like, okay, well, now we have no excuse to not go. So I went to it and I was so moved by all these women who were joyfully going to confession. I was like, what is this? I thought confession was something to be afraid of. And why are these people going? Like, I know we're supposed to, but this is weird. (laughs) During the adoration part, they were just so beautiful kneeling down in front of the monstrance and just loving on Jesus. And there is nothing in the entire world like seeing women pour out their hearts to Jesus, especially Mm -hmm. if you don't have that same belief that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. Because again, despite 13 years of Catholic upbringing, 13 years of Catholic school and 13 years of, you know, I knew transubstantiation, but does that mean you believe it? No. And so I was kneeling there and I was like, okay, Jesus, I know you're real, but I'm not so sure if that's you up there. But I just saw the beauty of these women praying and just loving Jesus. And I thought to myself, okay, Jesus, I want a faith like that. Please give me a faith like that. And so that was my prayer, kneeling before him in adoration, just looking around at these women and their witness. And oh my goodness, he certainly has blessed me (laughs) since then with a faith like that. I know without a shadow of a doubt that the Eucharist is truly him. It's truly his body. And it's funny because one of the legacies of my Catholic upbringing is that I have a close relationship with our mother Mary. And so through the rosary and through a novena, I asked for affirmation that I could please truly believe in the true presence in the Eucharist. And it wasn't like nine days later or anything like that. It was just a while later. I had this day and anybody who's ever been around kids or have kids will know that this is a miraculous day in and of itself where the dinner was in the crock pot, the dishes were done and the laundry was done and put away. Like I have never had a day like this since. And my oldest daughter was sleeping and I was like, there's nothing for me to do. I will take a nap. It was amazing. It was the middle of the day. So I laid down and it was one of those things where your head, just as soon as you hit the pillow, you're asleep. It was so peaceful. And I was blessed with this dream where it was a dark room. There's a plain stone altar. And on the altar was a gold monstrance. There was no jewels or any sort of embellishment, but it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because it was just pure gold. There was Jesus in there. But then on top of it and in front of it and going down the sides of it was this beautiful blue fabric. And this blue fabric was in no way detracting from the monstrance. You have to imagine it with me here because it was just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. But even though it was in front of Jesus in the monstrance, you would think that would veil him, but it wasn't. It somehow heightened his beauty and heightened his presence. And so I woke up and I'd been asleep for about 10 minutes and I just knew I was like, thank you. I know now that is exactly what I needed to truly believe that Jesus is present completely in the Eucharist every single time, not just with an extra holy priest, not just with the Pope. No, every single time a priest Mm -hmm. celebrates mass, no matter how holy or unholy that particular priest is, that's Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. his gift to us. And so Mary really showed me that. And it was her blue mantle that was showing me that this is my son and this is Jesus. And he's really, really there Mm -hmm. in the Eucharist, which 
I talked to a priest about it and he said, well, Mary is the first tabernacle. And I just love that because as you know, motherhood has been a big part of my journey. And had I not become a mom so soon and had things work out the way that I wanted them to, I don't know what my faith life would be like, but it probably wouldn't be the way that it is now. So anyways, that is my spiritual journey. It's lengthy and it's beautiful and I'm so grateful for it. And I love to tell people about it. So that was really the turning point. And I've been learning and growing and trying to understand my own self-worth and find my place in the church ever since. And I'm grateful to be where I am now. Oh, amen. I feel like every woman that I talk to and that I have the privilege of hearing their story, we always apologize for it being lengthy. And I just want to say to listeners and to you, of course, that, yeah, we never need to apologize for our stories. They really are God's stories and they're ongoing. But you did mention that you did share it at great length on Rachel Smith's podcast to grow good. So listeners, I'll be linking it in the show notes too. Please do take a listen. It was the first time that I heard your story actually. And I was hoping, I was like, please talk about the blue mantle and adoration. And I was so happy that you did because it's such a powerful image. And like you're saying, you know, motherhood and mother Mary being our model, not just for femininity, but motherhood and what that looks like in the purest and most beautiful sense. So yeah, just thank you again for your honesty and your vulnerability there. Oh, you're so welcome. I mean, it's like you said, it's it's my story, but it's God's story. And so I guess maybe that particular imagery wouldn't be the way that you might necessarily come to that understanding. But God knows us. He knows us so intimately that if you ask and you believe that he will give to you, I mean, he will. Mm-hmm. And he'll give you what you need because he knows exactly what you need. I know sometimes people hear my story. They're like, well, what? Like, why would a dream matter? Like, I have weird dreams. I have weird (laughs) dreams too. But God will give you what you need in that moment to believe what you're asking for his help with. So anyways, yeah, that's that's my story. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to go back to something that you'd mentioned earlier. I also am a K through 12 Catholic school girl. And maybe I should also preface this too by saying that, you know, Catholic schools in themselves are wonderful institutions. And I think to echo what you were saying earlier, Olivia, is that anytime people are able to support their children through that, if you have that opportunity to go to Catholic school, no matter what, it is still a blessing in and of itself, whether or not we recognize it in the moment. But certainly I have had similar conversations where the atmosphere or the ways in which the community life is set up sometimes, there really is like a comparison culture or a real competitiveness. And then as you were saying, how it ties into your story is that it tied into, you know, how you viewed yourself. And I would also imagine too, that it would impact the way that maybe you think that God saw you and your ability to give back. And I was wondering if you could speak into that. What were some of the areas where you felt like, I'm not like this person or that person, and maybe like through your life, how you've seen God draw, not who you think you're supposed to be, but drawing more of you out into the light? Of course. So that comparison culture, actually, you know, and me doubting my self-worth resulted in me after my experience of Mary's beautiful blue mantle and Jesus in the Eucharist and adoration in that dream resulted in me then feeling incredibly unworthy and really feeling a very long and lengthy battle with scrupulosity, which for those of you who don't know, scrupulosity is sometimes defined as like a spiritual form of OCD, but that's actually not very accurate if you've ever experienced it. 
It is literally hell because you believe that you are permanently separated from God because you don't think that God's mercy could ever include you because you're so hard on yourself for what you've done. And through the wisdom of some really great holy priests, I've come to realize that I'm a beloved daughter of God and that his mercy doesn't only go so far. His mercy covers the entire ends of the earth and I'm not an alien. So I'm included too, Um, just to clarify there, but I'm included too. And it was this realization that like confession is real. Reconciliation is real. That all that I've done that wasn't good has been washed away. So that's the ultimate outcome of my fears of self-worth and my fears of never being good enough. Then I was given this incredible gift by God and the devil is real and I don't like to focus on him, but he has a way of tricking us. He's the father of lies. And so that beautiful experience that I had turned into something that made me anxious and nervous and fear that I wasn't worthy of receiving that gift. No, we're not ever worthy of receiving the gift, but God gave it to me and who am I to judge why or how or what he chooses to do? He's God and and I'm not. And so I have a much better and stronger relationship now with God, especially now that I know like when I start to feel anxious, I start to feel like God's mercy isn't enough. Like, no, that's not from God. God loves me and the prodigal son is totally me. And I'm okay with that. (laughs) So that's kind of what happened as an adult. But, you know, I have two sisters and I'm the middle sister. So growing up, there was pressure on me to be like my older sister. And I love my sisters and I love my family and they're awesome. But my older sister was super, super great at running and I was not. So when I got to high school as a freshman, she had just broken the school record for a um, cross country 5k the previous fall. So I got to school. She was a senior. I was a freshman in high school. But a lot of people had an expectation that I was going to be the next best cross country runner. It was unfortunate because my ability was not that at that time. It's just one of those things where that was really, I think, the first time I was very shocked and I felt like I was disappointing people by not being good at something. And that's a scar that it took me years to run again after high school because I didn't want to. I didn't think I was good at it. And I know that seems kind of trite or trivial, but it was a really big deal when you're 14 years old and people come in and they think you're going to carry the team to state victory and then you don't because mm-hmm. you're not good enough for it. Like, I think that that's unfortunately in that comparison culture that can spring up, especially if it happens to be that the parents of that culture are really, you know, trying to one up each other on a regular basis, that the kids absorb it and the kids want to help their parents to one up the other people. And when you don't do it, I felt really disappointed. I'm a people pleaser and I wanted to please people. And when I didn't, it was really, really hard for me. So yeah, that's probably one of the big things being compared to my sister throughout my high school years was really a very negative experience for me. So, you know, I think those were things that really caused me to sour on my particular experience 
especially at the high school level. And, you know, I 100% believe Catholic schools are a great, great gift. And, you know, this could be at any sort of school that is considered academically elite or, you know, really focused on preparing people to live a life outside. But sometimes without the culture in the home, and if religion just becomes compartmentalized, especially within this group of people, And if it's no longer, we're not there for the religion, we're there for the prestige, which is unfortunately what I think happened with some of the families. You know, it's not the mission of the school to be the most prestigious ever. No, the mission of the school is to form Catholic men and women. But when you lose sight of the the true mission and it becomes more about being prestigious, then you have a big, big problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. When you have that in the home and you're able to, you know, have your parents be the first teachers, but also the first stewards of faith, and then it should hopefully translate into the classroom and just being able to grow in that environment. So I do appreciate hearing your story and perspective on that and also just how you were describing your own struggle with scrupulosity. I really do appreciate your vulnerability there. Now that you're a mother of some little ones now, and obviously they'll grow up to be young adults just like you and I are. And I'd love to hear how, you know, those experiences, how that has translated into your own motherhood. Oh, man. Well, first thing is, I swore I would never say things that my parents said, and I say them all the time. So (laughs) I just have to admit that. The other thing I want to say is that my parents are wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm so grateful for the gift of my faith because they really did plant that seed. And the way that it blossomed in, you know, the way that I went to Catholic schools for 13 years, that's a gift that really did prepare me for the world. But it did come with struggle. It did come with a price, which I'm grateful for, because I think that if we can call out an issue, then we can say we can make it better. Things fester in the darkness, but when they're exposed to light, they'll become clean. So anyways, I just wanted to say that in case people are like, Olivia doesn't like Catholic schools. No, I think Catholic schools are awesome. But I am very cautious about the culture that families have developed around the school. I would be very, very cautious about that. I actually don't send my children to Catholic school. I send them to public school. This relates to my motherhood. But part of the reason for that is, is because I'm in charge of the religious education program at my parish. So like, I know that they're getting a really high quality program from faith formation after Mm. school at my parish. And then I also know that they're getting from me in the home, the regular consistent worship, the prayer, the faith life. I, I know that. And so that's kind of my story about that. But my view of motherhood has changed so much from when I was younger. Unfortunately, I think we absorb a lot of the culture around us. And so One of the things that did happen, and this is no fault of my own parents, but just the people that I was around, the things that I was picking up on, especially as a very vulnerable teenager, like I always wanted to have children. I always wanted to be married. When I'm noticing like, okay, well, these moms are all trying to one-up everybody else, but I don't have the mental capacity to understand that that's not quite right. Mm -hmm. Well, part of the problem is, is when I became a mom, I spent several miserable years trying to compare myself to other moms. And that is absolutely the worst thing that you can do. And so God bless her, but my oldest has some special needs and she's so, so sweet. She's so good. But those special needs have come with a cost because they're not visible. They're invisible. And so unless you know what is happening in the family, you don't know 
all the struggle we've been through. And it's so easy for people to see that child tantruming at an inappropriate age during mass. But the reality is, is you don't know what that family is carrying. You don't know why or how or like what sort of drama is being released in this way. And so the comparison trap was really easy for me to fall into. Mm -hmm. And praise God, I have really learned how to let that go or at least to identify it when I start to fall back into it. So it can be a giant stop sign, like you are off route, (laughs) turn around, go back. You know, the comparison has always been a really difficult thing for me. And so becoming a mom, especially so early, especially Mm -hmm. feeling like, what, what is my worth? And just trying to be the best mom I could be because, you know, it felt like the odds were against me because I never had a career. I never like, was I even going to be a good mom? Like, am I even going to be a good role model? All those questions running through your head. And then finally, it just starts to fester as this comparison to other women. And that is not what we're called to do. Like I have my own unique path to holiness. You have your own unique path to holiness. Every single listener has their own unique path to holiness. Like that's why we have all the saints, right? Did any single one of them follow the same path to get to heaven? I mean, no, they did what the church prescribed, but they also did what God asked of them, which looked very different for different saints. So Mm. that's okay. The church is so wise. Yes, she is. She really is. And, you know, I appreciate that encouragement just because it really fits into obviously the feminine genius and how it is that each of us live it out. And I know that one of the ways that you do that, along with, like you said, you're a mom, you're a wife, and you work in religious education for your parish, and you do all these great things. And then you have this wonderful podcast heart, home, faith. So you had mentioned at the outset that this was something that you had, you know, dreams of doing, and then maybe you had stopped yourself for a little bit, but now because of COVID, you had launched it. What inspired you to, you know, have that dream in the first place to start the podcast and yeah, how it's been? Yeah. Oh man. I've always really been good at talking, which when I heard your story, Rachel, I laughed so hard. (laughs) Like, (laughs) hey, we could be talkers together and now we're talking, but I did competitive public speaking in high school and I was actually really good at it, which given my whole little bit of a tirade about comparison culture, unfortunately, the art of competitive public speaking was not one that was very highly valued. (laughs) So being good at it maybe wasn't necessarily the best thing in the circle of people that I wanted to impress. And I just wanted to be talked about, which is kind of funny. Apparently, I have a vanity issue. So I was pretty good at competitive public speaking in high school, and I really enjoyed it. And so I did very well in our state competitions, and it was really fun for me, and I loved it. It was my thing. I became a mom. I went to college. I didn't pursue a career in broadcasting, even though that's what I thought I was going to do. I decided to go with the safe route and be a teacher, which I would have loved if that's what God had led me to do. I enjoy teaching. But a couple of years ago, I read Claire Swinarski's book, Girl Arise, and it was really empowering. Like, oh, I could actually do something. But then I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, she is like super awesome and I'm not. (laughs) So I like started trying to think of all the things that I would talk about and what I want to talk about. And it just kind of fizzled out. And so a couple of years go by and I just felt this call to start a podcast and my dad was having a really major surgery and I was praying and it just came into my head that I needed to start a podcast. So I ordered the microphone in April of 2019. Wow. And then 
I did nothing with it until May of 2020. So that just goes to show how things like that can work sometimes. I just was, you know, deep in prayer trying to think of, Lord, help my dad get us through this day. And it was kind of unbidden, just like, come and do this podcast for me. And I was like, okay, well, huh. So I ordered the microphone and then it sat around for a year and then COVID hit and I finally started this podcast. So yeah, it's kind of just been a lengthy ride to get there. But to go from having a skill set and knowing that I wanted to use it, but not knowing how and feeling that spiritual encouragement to do it, but then still being held back by fear. That's really my story is that God gives Olivia gifts. Olivia becomes afraid of the gifts. Olivia eventually does something with the gifts and now Olivia's really happy. So <laughs> that's like a little, if you wanted a flow chart, it's pretty straightforward, really. It's really wonderful. I'm so thankful that you did start your podcast. And what's the significance behind the name? Three simple words, heart, home, faith. And, you know, I could probably guess how they all play a significant role in your life. And it's so evident in your story. But yeah, if you could maybe Give us a peek behind the curtain, if you will, just around what inspired that name. Sure. So I actually have a really awesome friend who I was tossing two names around. I was I love alliteration. So I actually wanted it to be heart, home, hope, because I love the word hope. It's yeah. a very important word to me. It's actually my confirmation name. And it's been a really important word to me throughout my journey, throughout my life, as my dad's battled cancer, as all these different things have happened. Hope has been an important part and the world doesn't have a lot of it. But then I also was talking to my friend. I was like, but I also really like the name Heart Home Faith. She's like, well, Heart Home Faith describes it a little bit better because I wanted it to be very rooted in the Catholic faith. That's who I am. You can't take the Catholic faith out of me and have an authentic me. So I'm grateful for her wisdom and to have, you know, somebody to soundboard these ideas off of. But the heart, I love, love, love the sacred heart of Jesus. I'm always asking like, Jesus, please just tuck all of the people I love into the wound in your sacred heart and just keep us there. Like, just keep us right there. And I love the idea of the heart being both physically the center of the body that pumps the blood, but also spiritually the part that God works in. So heart is important. And then home is just especially raising children, I realized from my own experience of being so very isolated when we moved to Texas and wanting friends and not knowing like how to set up my home or what to do to make my home Catholic or how to even raise my kids Catholic in a way that really resonated with me because I was still coming to my own adult understanding of the faith. Um, I really wanted to just focus on the home to focus on things that might seem trivial. I mean, I know there's definitely a place to talk about big scale issues and, and things like that, but there's also a place for women to talk about what's going on in our homes. Like one of my episodes, I talked about the funniest things that have made me excited to purchase. And one of them is my dishwasher silverware basket because the other one was broken. We need to laugh about these things and smile because part of our unique femininity is we are homemakers. Whether you work or not, you as a woman take a special pride in your home. And I think that's something that's really important to identify and to share. And then, of course, as I said earlier, the faith just being who we are, you can't remove it from us. It has to be central. It has to be there. You know, it's at the core. But if you peel back all the layers to get to the middle, what's the last thing that you should find in a faithful person? Well, you should find their faith. Of course, you should see their faith throughout all the other layers, but that needs to be a central part of their life. And so that's how Heart Home Faith kind of came to be the name or the meaning behind it. 
although I actually really can't take credit for the name, I had a night where I couldn't sleep. And so I like tossing and turning (laughs) and the name heart home, something kind of came to me. So I was like, okay. So I kind of was just praying as I wasn't sleeping and it just came to me. I was like, okay, I'm going to file that one away. So again, I really can't take credit for it, though I understand the meaning behind it and how it fits in with my mission and what I want. But most of my good ideas aren't from me. So I would actually say all of them aren't from me. (laughs) But again, it's just a gift. And if you can teach yourself to be attuned to the little voice of the Holy Spirit in the restlessness or the restful moments, then you'll just be really surprised at what God can do in your life. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think that especially now, like in the midst of chaos and how noisy our world has become, certainly we need a lot more of that. We need a lot more rest and being able to rest in the spirit. And like you're saying, who knows what incredible things can come through from the Lord when we just take the time to slow down and to listen. So I really appreciate that. And we talked a lot about comparison, and I think that this will tie into the feminine genius. So maybe just before I ask you about your own unique feminine genius, I was wondering if you could offer maybe just some advice or encouragement for any woman to stay grounded and how to defend yourself against something like the comparison trap. Oh, man. Well, for defense, I got to say my guardian angel is pretty, pretty awesome. I have like an amazing guardian angel. And that has really, of course, helped me. So if you start feeling these negative images about yourself based on other people's lives, toss up a guardian angel prayer. I mean, just do that first and foremost, because that's something you can do right there in the moment. But the thing that's really helped me the most is just throughout my journey and throughout my healing process, spending time in the adoration and just being still and letting myself feel loved by God has been probably the most beneficial. And, you know, I think about the wounds and I actually did a little reflection recently where I talked about how the wounds of Christ are eternal. He is risen from the dead and what does he still have in his body, his glorified body? He still has nail marks. He still has a wound in his side. And so I think that goes to show us that even if we have a wound and there might be healing to do, that wound is an important part of our journey. That wound is really going to help us to become who we are meant to be. And in heaven, that wound will be very different, but it will still exist. And I don't mean to say that as like a downer, but no, these parts of our story, they exist because they're forming us and we live in a fallen world. And yet we can still see, you know, God's taken my wound of this comparison trap and and these things that I've experienced and scrupulosity. And maybe he's turned it into a message of hope for somebody else going through it. And that's the only thing that I guess I can really affirm Of course, if you find yourself feeling really desolate or desperate about these wounds, or if you've been hurt physically or emotionally, mentally abused in any way, please get some therapy. There's no shame in it. And there are actually amazing Catholic therapists who can work with you and make faith part of your healing. And so I'm very blessed. I had postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety after my second was born. And so I was very blessed to find a local Catholic therapist who really helped me work through What are the things I'm anxious about? What are the reasons why I'm feeling the scrupulosity? And there's no shame in it. But I've always told the women that I work with when we talk about parenting stuff, if it comes up, I always say there's no shame. Let me give you a number. 
because sometimes you just need that. So you can just Google if you feel it's on your heart that you need to speak to somebody professionally and do more than just what I'm saying of, you know, it's an occasional trap of Instagram. But if there's more there, please go get help because God loves you and he doesn't want you to be hurting. But the beautiful thing about these wounds that as women we have is that we have this ability to be empathetic to other women who are experiencing them later on. So in our healing process, God can bring even more healing out of us, if that makes any sense. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you. And I just want to reiterate that too, as someone who has gone through counseling and therapy for many, many years of my own life, I just want to emphasize that like there really is no shame. And I appreciate you further breaking down that stigma and also upholding that and empathizing with women. You know, as we look to your personal feminine genius, I think that that's certainly a core aspect of it. And we've talked a great deal about motherhood. In terms of your own feminine genius, how have you seen that play out? You know, It's interesting because we're in the middle of some very contentious times down here. And I'm thinking about how I'm a much, much stronger feminine woman now that I have an understanding of what I'm able to do, which is funny because at first, when I had my first daughter, I felt like I was just a mom. And that word just is not a great word. If you say I'm just this or I'm just that, you probably aren't feeling great about yourself. And so... I think I've seen my own feminine genius really change throughout the years, kind of metamorphosize to really understand that I have a unique role and it's a role no one else can do. And that's just really affirming for somebody who's wondered for many years, am I worth it? Am I even good enough for this? Like, of course I am. God designed me for this. That line from Esther, perhaps you were born for a time such as these. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I was. And so I think that really is my take on the feminine genius is that each one of us is born for a purpose and God's going to use us for that purpose. And when we say yes to the purpose, it becomes much more pleasant than when we say no. But, you know, we're constantly growing and he's made a unique role for us and there's a room for us in his kingdom and it's our room. And to get there, we do what we were called to do. We do what he made us for my journey is going to look different than other people's journeys, but that doesn't mean we can't journey together. My take on the feminine genius is just, we were put here in this time, in this place for a specific purpose. And when we say yes to God, be it just the yes of I'm going to go change this dirty diaper for the 12th time today because the kid's not feeling great or the yes of I'm going to start a podcast or I'm going to write a blog or I'm going to pursue this particular way that my family could maybe have a little additional income somehow or I'm going to just pour as much love as I can into cooking right now. Like we have the unique gifts and abilities for holiness in each and every one of us. And God's going to call us to use those gifts for our own personal holiness and that of our, our family's holiness. So I think about how, you know, no one can replace me in my role in my family and no one would want to replace me. You know, I'm mom and I'm also wife and I'm also head chef some nights. So (laughs) there's the practical, but there's also the very, very practical, which is the spiritual, the call to holiness. And we all have it. And I think especially, like I said, we're recording in this time of COVID. I've been hearing that line from Esther come up more and more. And I think it really does speak to the times that we're in. Why is all this happening? Why now? And why us? Like, why me? Like, why am I in this space? And it gets into this whole like existential thing that 
But having said that, I do appreciate how you're able to really tie that into your feminine genius. And I think it's a great word of encouragement for all of us to remember that all of us have a specific role and we're headed towards a specific destination, which is with him in heaven for eternity in our own particular room. And no one can take that away from us. So Olivia, I just want to thank you again for being so open and candid about your own journey and the ways in which you live out your feminine genius. And to close, would you be able to lead us in a prayer? Sure. Let's go ahead. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Lord God, we are just your people. You're ours. I'm so grateful for all of the love that you just lavish upon us. One of my favorite prayers, as you know, Jesus, is that I just ask that you would tuck all of those that I love, but also all of these listeners, all those who've been touched and inspired by this episode, that you would just tuck them into the wound of your sacred heart, cover them with your most precious blood. Just let us feel your heart beat through us and in us so that we can be your hands and your feet, and your smile, that we can change the world around us through just the little things. Lord God, we love you, and we just want to glorify you in all we do. May you be the center. May you be the focus. May you be the one that we strive to please above all else. We ask all of this in the name of the most perfect model that you have for us. We ask this through the intercession of Mary, as we say. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Olivia. You're welcome. This was so much fun. Thank you again to Olivia McCarthy for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. As mentioned, Olivia hosts the wonderful podcast, Heart Home Faith, and you can listen to her podcast wherever you're listening right now. I had the privilege to be on her podcast, and it was so much fun to talk to Olivia about the feminine genius and so much more. Be sure to listen to and subscribe to Heart Home Faith wherever you're listening. And you can also follow Olivia on Instagram at Heart Home Faith. I've left links to these in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.